0: Questions this evening? Yes.
1: Um Prabhupada made a
0: statement in the Krishna book that the Gopis in their previous lives were Vedic scholars who wanted to uh, experience Ramachandra
1: and uh, Madhuri. I also was wondering if you could explain that.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's a um, a certain type of. entrance into the lila of krishna um that um, which there are two uh, prior to chaitanya mahaprabhu's appearance that are um, mentioned in the sacred texts which serve in one sense as references to the to the fact that such an ideal is attainable is possible in general so you say gopis means that they that they um, meditated and entered, as we were discussing last night, into the subjective, meditative world of consciousness. When, when I say subjective world, um, we should be clear that I, I'm distinguishing, I want to distinguish in saying that, between a mental world, which is also subjective, hmm, we have an objective world of, matter of things and then we have a subjective world of thought but the subjective world of thought from the perspective of Vedanta is a subtle form of the objective world of things so both thoughts and things are uh, 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 to be transcended by that which is above them so to speak but nonetheless identified with them at the present and that is ourselves so it's uh, uh, so there's a distinction between gross matter subtle matter things and thoughts and then being hmm? you have to be to think you have to exist to be able to think and to uh, and to to have which is which is how we might talk about things in relation to ourselves. Mm. Um, So knowing, having, mm, um, requires being. mm. Um, And then there's two kinds of knowing. There's knowing how to have things, and then there's the knowing that I be, (laughs) that I exist. Hmm. And uh, that I'm different from thinking, from thoughts, and from things. Hmm. Do you follow? Hmm. So, we emphasized last night. We have at other times the subjective world, and I say it's the real world. And people answer, "Well, whatever we think is real," you know. and that's not what we're talking about necessarily. It's it's about as real as the as the objective world in, in a sense, hmm. which is as we said here today and gone tomorrow. So. Um, uh, but meditation, in a classical sense, is, is, is involves, stops, involves not only harnessing the senses and informing us that we don't see because we have eyes or hear because we have ears. Hmm? We are the hearers. We are the seers. Neither do we know because we have because we have a, have a mind. Hmm? We are a unit of knowing, hmm? a unit of experience. Now we experience the gross world of things through the medium of the mind which is a subtle form of matter and so it's more kind of malleable if you will and it could take the shape of a thing so to speak approximate a thing and then the experience of that can be had by the self that is more subtle and I want to say not really more subtle but categorically different being um being um, consciousness proper and not not matter, not mind, not matter. So, that, entering in that subjective world, the world of the self, hmm, that world also has some objective parameters. hmm? It's not just whatever you think it is. but, But in another sense it is. Because, why? Entering into the, That world beyond material thought, hmm, through a uh, stilling of the mind and bringing this shakti, this uh, of bhakti, hmm, really, on the on the mind, then um, the self thinks, if you will, in relation only to 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 the Godhead and bhakti. So. That super subjective world is like the like the daydream of of God, if you will, and we can can live within it. Mm. So it it has parameters, what it what it is and what it's not. That's why we talk about rasa tattva, and so there there's some parameters to what it means to accurately understand the nature of that world, which is helpful to become a participant there, and and what doesn't go on there. So to speak, it doesn't fit there. Hmm. So there's some objectivity to the subjective world. Do you follow me? Hmm. It has certain parameters. It's, I mean, it's the world, God's God's mind, so to speak. You, know, you might compare this world to his 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 nightmare, and, and, <laughs> and then the the world of leela, of divine play, his day daydream, something like that. Hmm. Um, but he's not affected adversely by by the nightmare. It's more of a nightmare for us, but he tries to remedy it nonetheless for us by the teaching and so forth. So at any rate, there's a subjective world, and it's, it's, I, mean, I mean a meditative subjective world. So that idea of um, entering into intimacy with the Godhead hmm, um that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught about and so forth, uh, The his um, immediate students, Rupa Goswami Sanatan wrote all the literature and so forth, they, in speaking about it, they give references to the greater body of the sacred texts hmm, as to the possibility. So they give an example that there were sages living in the Dandakaranya forest hmm, in South India. And Ram, hmm, the, the form of the Godhead that Hanuman is uh, so devoted to and so forth, who uh, defeated Ravana in the, in the Ramayana, it's a famous text and so forth, was said to have been passing through the forest. Hmm. When he was in exile, it's a long story. But um, and these sages were meditating on the Gopal Mantra. The Gopal Mantra is the main um, mantra outside of the Nam Mantra of Hare Krishna, which is different. The nam Mantra is just made up of names with no petition to it. The other the, and it's for kirtan out loud. Otherwise, the mantra I'm speaking about, Gopal Mantra, is silent and um, and. Uh, And it has, um, rather than being names are there in it, but rather rather than being in the vocative case, they're in the dative case. So there's a petition Hmm. that's being um, voiced there Hmm. to Krishna, to Govinda, to Gopi Dhanabala, Svaha, like this. I give myself so um, that anyway. That Gopala mantra is the main mantra. It's an 18-syllable mantra. Mm. The 18-syllable Krishna mantra said to be the source of all Krishna mantras. So anyway, we, that's our main mantra, and they were chanting that mantra. Mm. And so it has a corresponding possibilities within it. There are a couple possibilities within that that mantra. I've explained it in the Gopal Tapani Upanishad commentary. Mm. So, the sages were meditating on that, and and. They got the darshan for Ram, they saw Ram, and they, they thought this looks similar to what we're meditating on. But Ram is a different form of Krishna for different leelas. And so he told them that you want to be like in romantic divine love with me, but in my leela, only Sita has that relationship. So if I give you my blessing when I come as Krishna, then you'll be able to attain that. That's the story. So this is one type of example that's given. It is said in the sacred texts like the Bhagavat and um, maybe um, Padma Purana, Vishnu Purana. This story, it kind of comes throughout the different Puranas, the ancient spiritual histories. And they're told, the same stories told from different angles in the different Puranas for different psychologies, for different people, different points may be made and so forth. So, at any rate, this is a, one of those repeated um, spiritual histories, if you will. And the Bhagavatam speaks about it in, in the way that the Bhagavatam speaks about everything for its, its purpose. And that's the mature uh, text, if you will, of Vyasa, this maturity of the Bhagavatam. So, it's an example of the possibility of attaining such a type of uh, spiritually emotional relationship with, uh, with, with, the, with the Absolute, with Krishna. And then there's the other story of the, um, the, the deities that preside over the Upanishads, certain Upanishads, hmm? like Gopal Thapani, hmm? and, um, and how they attained this same idea, ideal, hmm? and so these two examples are given to sub- substantiate that, that, that the goal, the ideal that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was speaking about, and so forth, teaching about, is on the map. This is the subjective map of the sacred texts. So in ancient times in India, um, these sacred texts, which are the map of the subjective world, which also speak about the objective world, but only in a way to promote pursuance of the possibilities that lie in the subjective world. They don't talk about the natural world like we do in modern science so with a very different view in mind. They accept from the very beginning it's, it's, it's not the, the, the home of the self, if you will. And, and so they speak about it in such a way as to promote, as I say, pursuance of the possibilities of the atma, the self, in a subjective world. When you look at them and you look at the modern science, you go, well, this is, this is you know, modern science says the world's like this. this is, these are old books that should be uh, discarded full of superstitions and so forth. No, it's a different angle of vision. They're not in competition hmm, for describing the nature of the natural world hmm, in detail, which is more accurate. But they're in competition in terms of the values that they promote, that that, that the result, that results from pursuing either of those perspectives. And if you pursue the modern, popular today, modern perspective on the natural world, on the physical world, hmm, um, that perspective is that that you are, there's two ways of saying it, you are part of the natural world, or you are not. hmm. There is no self, like you think. There's somebody in here, hmm? just a combination, of chance, random combination of of material um, stuff, atoms, whatever. Um, and there's a lot of space in between, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 somehow consciousness is some, some part of the brain that they just haven't figured out yet. So. This is um, um, not a very encouraging uh, perspective, and of course, it's it's not um, it's not a a talk that anybody can walk either. Everybody has to walk, if you will, or act as if their thoughts have meaning and their conscious choices are real and important, and so forth. Everybody acts like that. To philosophize that they're not and it's meaningless, and so forth, is, is a is to, as I say, to talk a talk that he cannot walk, and action speaks louder than words, so we'll take them in terms of their action, rather than their words, and in their action, they agree with what we say, a kind of dualism, if you will, that there's consciousness, and there's there's matter, and consciousness somehow moves matter, if by no other means than by just looking at it. Hmm? Some things happen only because somebody's there watching. Hmm? So, the power of observation, as I said before, it used to be thought the only way that physical things can move is by physical contact. when Newton started talking about gravity, they thought he' he 's gone back to the occult because but gravity talks about physical bodies moving without making physical contact and they still can 't you know as they say they can 't see gravity so Quandary, of course, is, is for dualism, as, as they put, is how consciousness, if it's different than matter, can can move matter. Why can't we see it and so forth. Um, a lot of things we can't see. But we live practically as if that's the case. That's the practical reality for everybody. So... Um, so ancient texts, and they are speaking about the world from a very, very, different, very, very different perspective. So that the Indian sacred, uh, Indian Hindu sacred texts are all talking really um, uh, about the subjective world and the possibilities. They talk about how to live in, the, in, in, in this world in such a way as to promote the pursuance, as I say, of the possibilities which are unlimited in the subjective world. So, this is one of the possibilities. Hmm? And where it fits to enter into that leela of Krishna, and where it fits in relation to other possibilities, that's what Shaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates are, have, been, have helped us through the text that they've penned uh, as to where that fits. And we thought, oh, it's, it's at, the, at the apex, the zenith of possibilities, such love and intimacy and love, wise love and so forth. And so, um, these two examples are cited. now, that said, those two examples are examples of what we call Kamanuga or ka- kam- Kamarupa bhakti. Hmm. Um, so it's a kind of, if you will, uh, romantic love with the absolute, but there are different varieties of that. Hmm. And this is also the extraordinary kind of contribution of um, the, uh, the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and they're analyzing, as I said last night, you can use the word ecstasy or if you know a little Sanskrit, you can use the word bhava, hmm. which is becoming cool, I guess. And I haven't seen it, but I've heard there's these shirts, T-shirts that say, be in the bhava. Be in the bhava. So... Um, you know, and they're, 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 they're supposed to be spiritual, a spiritual context. But to and to ent- bhava means ecstasy, to, so to enter into, for example, bhakti in ecstasy. We have bhakti in practice, bhakti in ecstasy. And ecstasy means like the emotive component of bhakti has been activated, so to speak. And then there's bhakti in, in praying, in love of God, the cultivation of that ecstasy. So you don't just put on a T-shirt and, and there it is. It's not. It's this it's a. This such a um, minimization hmm, of of what uh, what Bhav means. Hmm? And of course that's our you know American way. You want to take some something from another country, and make it better and easier and whatever. Unfortunately, in this instance, in many instances, this is another one. They um spoil the, the whole, such, such, such t-shirts spoil the whole thing. Hmm. Meanwhile, you have the Vrindavan Goswami's analyzing the different, you know, Udupam Vibhav, Vishaya Lambanam Vibhav, Ashraya Vibhav, Satvika Bhav, and Sanchari Bhav, Yabichari Bhav, hmm. Bhava Bhas, Bhava, Chai Bhava Bhas, uh, Pratibimba pa, pratibimba bas, and so on and so forth. It just uh, it's like whoa! It's a whole book on ecstasy, and so prem, or love, which is see this ecstasy is an emotional life of the soul beyond the mind, hmm? with the ingress of, of, of real, real meaningful. Um, beginning of a union, dynamic, loving union with with our source, with the absolute, then some type of emotional life plays itself out, if you will, to use a word. And uh and so to hone that, so to speak, is what it means is to turn it into into praying. Hmm. To attain prame, love. Love of God, wise love. So it's a huge subject obviously. And so as it is with ecstasy, so it is with the praying then there are different ways in which love, brain means love, but love has a form. Otherwise, who will know about it? Love doesn't take a shape to express itself. Who will know about it? Hmm? How can you take advantage of it? So, so it takes different shapes. There are different basic shapes, like, like passive adoration, hmm? love in service, Love and friendship, it would be a form. Love, like like, um, like a superior would love, for an inferior, like a parental love, or romantic love. Hmm? These are the basic ideas. And then there are all so many divisions of these. So with regard to kamarupa, romantic love, there are many divisions. So the, what the sages of Dandakaranya and the Upanishads, uh, deities presiding over certain Upanishads that speak about this subject... Mm-hmm. Attained is the, the general idea of kamrupa bhakti, but within that, then mm-hmm, the Chaitanya sampradaya is, is offering some a, a different access um, point or different flavor variety of that uh, type of romantic love that comes the closest to having the experience of the primal, if you will, Shakti, primal lover of Krishna. You have loved, lo- the loved and the lover, um, Radha. So to experience the perspective of Radha. This is the what, what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is about. Hmm? Krishna coming to taste, experience himself from Radha's perspective so he comes as, appears as a devotee of himself. Hmm? And so That type of kama, rupa, bhakti is not what the Upanishads or the sages experienced. That's why, that's the meaning of Rupa Goswami's verse. Anar pita charim chirat karunayavatina kalo. Samar paitam unato ujvala rasam sabhakti sriyam. Unato ujvala rasam. Ujvala means, ujvala rasam, ujvala means like the brightest, like a bright jewel the bright jewel of sacred aesthetic rapture or rasa hmm, is this madurdhya this romantic uh, love but unata ujvala it means within that something very special and that was not experienced by the Upanishads by the sages, Sadis that is given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that possibility hmm? otherwise anarpitya doesn't make any sense because never given before it means only given in connection with this rare event of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's um, manifestation which which has external and internal ramifications. The internal ramifications that ultimately drive it are again Krishna seeking to experience himself from Radha's perspective. It's a very extraordinary theological idea. Hmm. Um, God wondering about himself, what he's like from the eyes, from the the vantage point of his devotee, and seeing the devotee is getting a lot out of this. He sees things, she sees things in me that I don't see in myself. What are they like? Hmm? And being a lover by nature, the Godhead is driven to taste that. And so there's this special appearance in the world of the Godhead Krishna as a devotee of himself. That is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Hmm? And so... in the context of trying to experience that, the opportunity for others to experience that also becomes available, either in a direct role or an assisting role to that, this idea. So, um, if that was available otherwise, then this verse of Rupa Goswami wouldn't make any sense. An opportunity, never before given. You could say, not for a long time. Maybe say, well, the sages, that was a long time ago, but not for a long time. Then in the commentary on the verse is the Rubha Goswami's verse in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Das uh, has employed this verse of Rupa Goswami from um, Madhava in his Chaitanya Charitamrita as the Ashivad verse, the blessing verse, a verse that gives blessings in the, very, in the, in the, in the preface, the sacred preface. In his commentary on the verse, he, he defines what he means by anarpiṭacchirim charat What is that? What does it mean? You can say never before, not for a long time. So, if you want, it could be translated in either way. If you want to say not for a long time, he defines what he means by not for a long time. Hmm? What does he say? He says that once in the day of Brahma, Krishna comes. Hmm? And if the following, after that, immediately, there's an encore appearance as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, where Krishna tries to um, um, remedy the shortcomings of his own lila that he experienced. Because in the context of experiencing and showcasing his divine leela, again, he took note of how Radha is affected by him. And he realized there's something in me that I don't really know about. I have an experience that she does that makes her like that, that I want to experience. So another Leela is manifest for that. That is Chaitanya So this, then, is what he means by, not for a long time. So it means only under the auspice of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. this is made available. Hmm. You follow? And it's made available also in a system, it means in a systematic way with a teaching with a methodology and so forth
1: hmm?
0: so while the sages that hmm, you bring up hmm, are an example that that our um, saints draw upon from the greater body of the sacred texts the the map of the subjective world and its possibilities, they say, "See, it's on the map." Okay. Hmm. Now we're going to go within that deeper and explain that there. This this uh, aspect of it, this possibility. Hmm. So that's the idea of citing it in the first place.
1: Hmm.
0: Because if it's not even on the map. And I made this point earlier, so I'll give you an example of what I'm saying. It's not even on the map, because these were these books were the standard of knowledge. Just like now you have books, I guess, that are the standard of knowledge—law books or some science books and so forth—that are the frames of reference and say, "Well, you know, it's two and two is four. You know, you can't make two and two and three because the book says two and two is four, and we worked this out. You know, so." Something like that. So the standard of knowledge with these sacred texts, and so if you wanted to make a point, then you'd have to have reference to the sacred texts. And there might be different ways to interpret them, but you have to do your academic type of homework, so to speak, and make a... You could establish a lineage, but it would have to be supported by the... If it's it's a lineage to enter into the subjective world, it has to be supported by the texts that give the parameters of what that world involves, if you will. Hmm. So, if this idea had not even there to begin with, hmm. then it would be suspect. Hmm? Do you understand? Therefore, the Goswamis labored to demonstrate that what they um, were teaching, what they experienced in relationship to Mahaprabhu, was on the. Uh, on, on the map, it's a de- it's a real destination. As I said, in the world of God's uh, mind, hmm. which is so the sacred texts are kind of some type of like outline or something, or a table of contents hmm. for that world. Hmm. The problem with this this analogy I'm giving is that that it's just that they are the table of contents or an outline. So so they only go so far. So, people want to make the table of contents, with the outline, the whole book. That's an error in the other direction. One direction is, who needs the map? Let's just go.
1: Well, where are you going to go? How do you know where
0: you're going to go? And how do you, will you know where you are? And so on and so forth. And so that's a, that, that's questionable. And the map's been made available. These are extraordinary texts. Um so, we look at the map, and then we'll chart our course. And then we'll go, hmm. but then, um, and if it's not on the map, we won't consider it as a as a possibility. Hmm. Um, that's just imaginary. Yeah. Um, but then, to think that the map tells everything, hmm. it doesn't. You can have a map. Here's India, and you can have it, you know. Uh, even a Google map or something like that show mountain ranges and so many things but still to go there is, is an entirely different uh, experience mm-hmm. and um, so the, one error is is to imagine it mm-hmm. in the name of subjective Swami said the subjective world is the real world but I think it should be like this I think it should be like that that's not what they're saying no to stop thinking. I think it should be like this. I think it should be like that, and think about what the possibilities are given in revelation from the sacred texts, and then according to the method given there, make one's way, which involves quieting this mind and material emotions and so forth of what we might, you know, want spiritual life to be based on our. Conditioned materially conditioned life—that's not a good idea, mm. because that is a certain bob itself. We have the bob of being the center, <laughs> being the enjoyer, and we're not. So that has to be converted, so to speak, from an enjoying, exploiting ego to a serving and loving ego. That's mm. to, to change the foundation, so to speak, the whole structure. Mm. So, so on the one end okay, we can't imagine our way there or what possibilities there are. And on the other end, well, the books are just just an outline. There's, there's more. Hmm. Now, the more will, will come and it will correspond with the books. So you can see that it fits. It's not a separate chapter that's not listed there, hmm. so to speak. So then, people get on this other side errors. as well. It's it's it, they're they're too 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 bookish about it, if you will, and um, and then they can't see. There's a, you, eventually you can feel the book, and you can feel, hmm, you can feel you're familiar enough with the map. You know how things work together and how they don't, and, it's a, and otherwise you, you don't have that. You get this kind of literal. Perspective, and then someone says, "Well, I never saw a verse in the Bhagavatam or the Gita that says uh, no one falls from falls down from the spiritual world." Well, you know, if you if you've entered into the spirit of it and you understand what is the subjective world, you know, there's there's no reason for such a verse. It's crazy to have one. would make It wouldn't make any sense that you could attain perfection and then. Fall from it. What kind of perfection would it be? The idea is just crazy to start with. Hmm? If you if you get you know if you so but then, but then it's not there, it's, you know. So sort of there <laughs> then there's a problem on that other end to follow. Hmm? So um, and ultimately there is kind of a spiritual imagining, if you will. But then this is this is. Um, the power of Baba so you're imagining within the confines the constraints if you will of rasa tattva of what the nature of the place is and so because you only desire to serve the Godhead then it's possible that different desires to serve in different ways in which service is accepted therein it manifest and so it makes for all kinds of variety and so forth all of which is centered properly on Krishna so it's uh, there's individuality and different expression and so forth but all of it has a unity Hmm? I've given an example before if you take a pond it's peaceful quiet you throw a stone in it one place another one waves will crisscross and the beauty the serenity of it will be destroyed but if you take throw one stone then there will be these concentric ripples if you throw two three four five six seven eight a hundred and eight but all in the same place However many stones you throw, this, the, leak, the lake will remain peaceful, but but moving at the same time. So, as we say, we want peace and love, peace and love, not just peace, but love. So, peace means the mind is still, like a, like the placid lake. You come to the oh, suddenly you walk through a grove of trees in the forest, and this beautiful lake. It's just peaceful. Ah, now what am I going to do there? So and you throw the stones, but all in the same place, then it is movement. So this is the idea of unity and diversity Hmm? within the subjective world of consciousness proper. Hmm? All the diversity, which is unlimited, it it doesn't in any way conflict with the unity. Hmm? So, So the um, so anyway, yeah, they, uh, they're they mentioned there and uh, we draw upon that as a general reference. This possibility exists and now it's been honed and given in a particular way, a specific way. And so then they give references uh, for that as well to some extent, hmm? the details. But that's a, a general reference for such of a, p- a possibility. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What else? Yes.
1: Um, I was wondering how an individual soul can know when it's ready to almost forget the power, the power of God, enter into a more intimate relationship, and what
0: that process might look like if it happens naturally or if one has to take steps to enter into it. Yeah, it happens naturally in the context of the teaching. Of a, of a lineage that, that affords us that perspective and uh, venue to attain that possibility, so it 's happening, for example, to you, because you 're getting into this conceptual orientation, you 're learning about it, and so forth. And so that 's um, the beginning of it, if you will. And then it be- so it becomes your ideal. Hmm? The Vrindavan Leela of Krishna, for example, becomes the ideal. And then you'll find that although you still have some um, uh, rever- rever- reverential overtones and so forth, uh, um, that um, and I'll say something about that as well, that, um, that, that if you look now, spend a little time in good association, and then you look and then you hear in detail. What is the reverential love, for example, of Vaikuntha and how it plays out? And you find, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested. So you you'll find that you see so already it's already happening. Hmm? Now, at the same time, you have reverence for Krishna, right? And the ideal is is, is intimate love. One thing about that is that there there's two two bodies here that we're talking about. A, a practitioner's body hmm, and then an internal spiritual body that that, that is constituted of bhava, of ecstasy. Hmm. So, you have to have bhava for, for that to manifest. Um, but then we have as practitioner's body. So externally, we use that body in a, in a particular way. And that body will always have some... Um, some reverential kind of components to how it... Uh, um, uh, components but um, parameters within it which it, it functions. Um, and so and we see that, for example, in the, in the immediate associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, while they were internally in in ecstasy, experiencing intimacy, with Krishna, externally, they had a reverential relationship with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who was the teacher. Hmm. Hmm. Rupsanatan meeting with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in different places outside of Nadi and so forth. Yeah. They all the Sadaka hmm. the practitioner's body. So with relation to the guru, we have some respect and, and so forth. I mean, there can be intimacy too. It's kind of like the intimacy of a servant who knows the master well enough to say, I don't think you should go there, master. It's not a good idea. You don't think so? Charles. All right. All right. Or like, Charles, <laughs> what do you think I should invest in? Hmm. I don't know, boss. Uh if I was you though, uh, yeah, okay, I'll take it, you know. Something like that. So there's there's a place where the, the servant becomes so, so knows the boss, the master so well that there's some some intimacy. There's a so something like that. The relationship with the guru can reach that kind of a um, um experience. So um, but overall, as I say, the Sadhakadeha deha has uh, a... Um, we see it in the Goswamis. They, they, they teach the example. It's reverential in its um, way. One conducts oneself within it. Um, and we don't cross over on those two. Hmm. So we don't, for example, dress up like a gopi in the deha we, <laughs> we dress like like Mahaprabhu's associates dressed, you know, they're, they're monastics. Um, and um, and so, um, and in, the, in the context of using your deha appropriately, this deha will arise and intimacy with uh, Krishna will manifest and at the same time that we are reverential in our so to speak contact to some extent with the sadhakadeya internally in our thinking and our cultivation we're cultivating the Vrindavan idea. I'd like to be the friend of Krishna, serve as a friend. This opportunity has come to me through my guru-pramparala, um, let's say, through my, so I want this uh, idea. So I like those leelas, so I read about those leelas, and I find them attractive. Hmm? And then if I say, hey, you know, check this one out, this is uh, how they do it in in, 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 uh, in um, Vaikuntha, and then you go, yes, uh, I'm not interested in that. You, you'll find that. Hmm? So it's already happening to you in a sense. Um, Yeah, so in the sadhaka day we are learning tattva. We're learning about the map and the scriptural conclusions of our lineage and so forth and so on. Hmm? And in Vrindavan, gopis aren't studying the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu or the Upanishads or anything like that. They appear not to even know them Hmm. at a glance because now the tattva, tattva is knowledge. Hmm? Knowledge is a power.
1: Hmm?
0: Right. I'll give you an example. The United States has for a long time been the most powerful military industrial complex in the world. Right. Um, But at times of peace, if there ever are any, but anyway, at least on the homeland, if you will, of sorts. I know these things are breaking down as time goes on, but you don't see the military-industrial complex everywhere. It used to be in the Cold War, Russia, on Stalin's birthday or whatever, you know, there their various holidays, they would have parades, like we do in America. But they their parades would include missiles and tanks and all the power that they had. And you could see their power, you know, at the airports with machine guns. You ever go through Europe and you see guys with machine guns in the airports and stuff like that? You don't see that in SFO here, you know, San Francisco Airport. You don't see guys with machine guns and khakis and boots and, you know, you don't see that. So the idea is that there's power here, great power in the country, Military power, just using an example, but it's suppressed during peacetime because if it was manifest everywhere, well, it's a little intimidating. Hmm? It doesn't really foster the peace or the love. It's like, whoa. You can feel the power. Uh, So, in Vrindavan, this subjective realm of Krishna, hmm, it's full of knowledge. It's the end of knowledge. But all the knowledge is suppressed because it would get in the way of intimacy with Krishna. But the fact that the very ground of the place, the dust of the place, is is fully cognizant and knowledgeable of all the Upanishadic wisdom, truths and so forth... Is evidence from the fact that when residents of there, like the Gosamis, they were gopis. They come here in Asada Kadeha. We see how they have so much knowledge. There's a need in a place of ignorance to manifest the knowledge. So similarly, if the United States is attacked, then there'll be tanks everywhere and missiles everywhere and planes buzzing and you know it'll all come out. It's all there. It'll all come out if there's attack. So if there's ignorance, then then the Rindaban resident, you know. Manifest. And there's such knowledge, you'll see that it's packed in there. It's subsumed underneath the, 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 the love of Krishna. And it would get to manifest there, would get in the way of the love. That's why Krishna, after, after defeating Kamsa, didn't return to Vrindavan. That's one of the reasons. Because Kamsa's um, what was his, I guess, brother-in-law, Jarasandha,
1: hmm?
0: was going to attack to avenge the, the death of Kamsa hmm? and the fact that his, his sisters had become widows. So he had big armies. Idea. So so if Krishna just walked back to Vrindavan, then he would have attacked. And all this Aishwarya would have had to come out in Vrindavan, which is un, inappropriate, would have got him away. So instead he went, took everybody to Dwarka. Dealt with everything in a distance. Hmm? Do you understand? Yeah. So, um, so now in sadhaka today, it's important to cultivate knowledge, understand the map, the teachings, and so forth. Basic practices, and 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 then the heart will become cleansed. Material desires and ambitions will 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 disappear. Hmm? Spiritual longing will come, and that spiritual longing will be then the basis of um, that love in intimacy. And um, there's two there's two stages in one sense. There's the stage of uh, now you're fighting. We're fighting against the center. We want to be the center. Hmm. so we're going upstream so the word sharanagati is used it's like here's the white flag no, I give up I'm going to stop trying to be the center this isn't working hmm. I surrender hmm. uh, Krishna mandates this first surrender sarva dharmam pritja kam sharanam sharanam means to surrender mamikam sharanam raja so This is in the sadhika deha, the practitioner's body. And so we cultivate shraddha and sharanagati. Shraddha means faith, and sharanagati is the corresponding visible way in which faith expresses itself. And it's sixfold. I'll just mention one aspect of the sixfold sharanagati. Anukul pratikul. It means I accept what's favorable for bhakti, and I reject what's unfavorable for bhakti. This is the guiding light in my life. This is my moral principle. Hmm? Just like it said, Jesus boiled all the laws down to to two: love thy God with all thy heart and soul, and love thy neighbor as thy friend. That hmm? was the two. Hmm? So our two. We could have those two too. That's an interesting discussion, but um, but these two um, accept what's favorable for bhakti, reject what's unfavorable. So there may be things that are favorable in your mind and according to your senses that are that are not favorable to bhakti, so you'll reject those. And then there may be things that aren't favorable to your mind and senses, but they'd be favorable to bhakti. And you'll accept them. And what happens when you do that is, right now, your likes and dislikes are relative to your mind and senses. Hmm? So there's this duality. This is good, this is bad. That's all just relative to your mind and senses. For you, it may be hot. For me, it may be cold. It's just a mental and sensual perception. Which is it? Hmm? So we want to rise above these dualities that are created only in the mind on the basis of input from the senses, and give us a false reading, both hot and cold are false readings. Hmm? So to get beyond the limited instruments of perception that are giving us a limited or a false reading, hmm? this is what spiritual life's about to rise above that duality hmm? and so the way in which we do that is we accept what's favorable for Krishna for Krishna's service for Bhakti and reject what's unfavorable then you have a new criterion of goods and bads. Hmm? And it's not just relative to your feelings and your sensual perceptions and so on and so forth. So you transcend them. Hmm? So the sadhaka-deha is centered on this hmm? to begin with. Anuku pratikul. Accept what's favorable, reject what's unfavorable. Hmm? Mm-hmm. And so that sometimes you have to enjoy and take nice prasadam and sometimes you have to get up early and even though it's raining out. And Come to the RT in the morning, and so on and so forth. So, um, so it's a, it's a it's a very you know disciplined um, life, and yeah. and so as that shara- sharanagati becomes in place, mm. then longing proportionately the longing has meaning, the longing for the ideal. Mm. I've given an example before. Let's say you long to go to India. Okay, that's great. And you come and tell me, I really want to go to India, Swami. And I say, well, that's great. Do you have a passport? No. Do you have any money? No. Ticket? No. Do you have a job? No. I okay. But I really want to go to India. I say, okay, I'll teach you how to go to India. Get a job. No, I want to go to India. Hmm? No, I'm, but yeah, I know that. But get a job. No, no. You don't understand. I don't want to get a job. I want to go to India. Hmm? So that longing is inappropriate. Hmm? It's not well reasoned. You want to go, but you want to go with your with, with your you know with your shoes on, so to speak. To you have to leave them. to Enter the temple. Hmm? So you, you know you have to get a job, It's a money. Then you have to get a passport. Hmm? They say, oh yeah, I got a job. I got some money. I got a passport. I said, "Okay, now I got to go get a visa. <laughs> got to get a visa too. When's this going to end?" Yeah. So but no, then they got to get a then you got to get a reservation, and you got to get a ticket. Then when you you got your ticket, you got your reservation. Let's talk about India. Let's look at all the possibilities where you can go and so on and so forth. And then it have meaning. Hmm? So you kind of say to me, "I want to have an intimate relationship with, with 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 God." I like that idea. I heard that in your lecture. That's really great. So okay, great. <laughs> Now what? Okay, so now you have to do this, this, this. Well, I know I wanted that. You have to make the connection between them. Mm-hmm. i give you an example. If you want to taste fruits, mm, nice, juicy mango, mm, hot day, I want to taste that. Mm. So, because I'm perspiring and so forth. And so I said, well, okay, then you have to go perspire now and dig a hole and plant a seed and water and it's going to take a few years. Hmm. But we have to identify with that as much as with the ideal. We have to put those things together hmm. to attain the ideal. So there's a place for longing hmm. and that place is as much as this Sharanagati and Shraddha are in place. Hmm. Then the longing has meaning. Hmm. And then we say that the the stage, if you will, like dramatic stage of uh on which the drama of Krishna Lila and ecstasy will be performed has to be erected in the heart, and that will correspond with the attainment of what we call ruchi hmm. a consistent take when the chanting the practices one this is one's love this is the medicine has now become one's food hmm. And it's characterized marginally by absence of other design. Nadanam, Nadanam, don't The world has no charm for me. I'm not interested in this, that, other thing. So, now there's room. So coming to a theater near you, soon, in your heart, that will start to manifest internally. But you have to make the stage, right? And you have to clear out Make room for it, so it's not that. And then, so just a, in a forced way to think. I want to have intimate relationship with Krishna, and, and then that may be problematic. So, in a natural way, but that includes hearing about the ideal, and and uh, and obviously, the sadhakadeha is 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 primarily a body that is involving the the culture of sharanagati. And the bhava stage is is one of longing. So, for example, Yuga Swami teaches that prayer, Vandanam, is of two types. Prayers of longing and prayers of submission. So those who are longing, their already submissive. Hmm. Those who are submissive can can long, hmm. can pine for that, if you will. Hmm. And, and, and it will be meaningful. Now, there's overlapping. I mean, obviously, in bhav, they're, they're already submissive. Hmm. And in, in, in sadhana, in, pra- in practice, then there's some longing too. Hmm. Right? But that longing will obviously be complete or meaningful to the extent to which the the sharanagati is in place because to the extent that it's not you have other longings if you're surrendered then you're not fighting anymore Hmm? you're not trying to be the center anymore you have no other longings
1: Hmm?
0: you understand so as much as you're not then you have other longings then how meaningful is the is the is it, is that uh, long? How much is it a longing? Hmm? So these two they go together. Hmm? Now it's true that the positive longing, in one sense, aids the charanagati but that's just very general. In other words, because you've heard the ideal, you find it attractive enough to say, "I'm going to quit school," for example, for this. Like whoa! That was you know you just invested a bunch of money and time and the, and so the you, you you it is on account of the ideal hmm, that's been presented to you and the faith that's developed in it by good association. You, you, you so the the ideal is fueling the surrender, so it's very it's not like we surrender and then we long over here. They're not like entirely separate, but. But there's the the longing will intensify, hmm. the longing that, that's 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 fueling the surrender, the ideal hmm. it will become more focused uh, as you pursue it appropriately. Hmm. You understand? Does that help? Yeah. Okay, we'll stop there. See, see, Guru Paramparaki jai, jai.